Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the No Laying Up podcast. We have a short episode today, a little behind schedule getting this out. Um, I've been on the road a little bit. I promise there is a podcast going to be coming on the trip I recently did to England. A lot of you were requesting that. Wanted to hear about some of the links and Heathland courses uh, we played out there. Uh, I, have, I, I have this for you to bridge you until that is done. It's an interview we did all the way back at the KPMG Women's PGA Championship back in June at Hazeltine. We spent about 30 minutes with Mel Reed, uh, who went on to have a top 10 finish at the event. She is a English golfer that uh, will be a captain in this week's Solheim Cup, um, assistant captain on that team, and has played in Solheim Cups in the past. And she is just a really cool, fun hang, and we got to spend a little time with her and uh, have this interview for you. So, uh, it is on, a bit on the shorter side, and uh, we have so still have some more interviews we want to roll out from that week. We have Jay Marie Green. Uh, we've had these kind of saved up for a slower time in the season, and with the LPGA season really full in full swing still, thought this might be a good timing. Uh, it is also good timing. It is a huge week in the golf equipment world. Our friends at Callaway just unveiled their new Jaws MD5 wedges, featuring the most aggressive grooves in golf. Jaws MD5 breakthrough in wedge craftsmanship and performance from Callaway chief designer Roger Cleveland and his team. They've created the new Jaws Groove along with proven Groove in Groove technology to take spin and control to the next level. So the walls, the edges, and angles are all milled to the face to achieve the sharpest edges and tightest tolerances ever from Callaway. The result is a wedge that is built for total performance with premium premium shapes, striking finishes, outstanding feel, and exceptional spin. Damn, I am pumped to get my hands on a few of these. Every detail from the optimized head progression to the five grind options has been perfected to help you get the most out of your short game. So go to CallawayGolf.com to experience the Jaws MD5 with all the info you're looking for on performance, technology, grinds, all that good stuff. Be sure to check them out. Without further delay, here is our interview with Mel Reed. All right, now welcoming in here, we're at the KPMG Women's PGA. Uh, Mel Reed, um, I was I asked if you were warned about us. You said you're familiar. You you know what you're getting yourself into, I guess. Uh, yeah, definitely. I've, I really like your guys' content. You guys are pretty pretty funny. I don't want to big you guys too up too much. Well, I was going to say, um, wait till we're done with yeah, the interview exactly. before you I'm say that. I have a completely different opinion after this, but <laughs> no, I, I like your guys' content. So awesome. Well, let's start right with the with the easy stuff. Your background. I think people can recognize the accent pretty quickly and guess where you're from. But how long have you been in the states and kind of your background in golf? Um, yeah, I mean, I took up golf at a relatively late age, like 10 or 11 years old. Um, I was a football player before that, or soccer, as you guys like to call over here. But um, still played soccer up until a couple of years ago, and I just kind of snowboard every winter. That's also my other love. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've just, since 11 years old, I've, golf's kind of taken over, my, taken over my life, really. Lived in England my whole life and eventually moved to Jupiter last October, which I think was a great move for me and makes my life a lot easier practicing in nice weather instead of the pouring rain. So, yeah, I've, I've just made a lot of changes over the last year. Was that the main motivating factor to move to Florida? Was just weather and whatnot? Yeah, it was, honestly. And like traveling, obviously, I've been playing in the States. So traveling for me was obviously much more difficult in England. Um, I was having to like go back every three weeks, which kind of sucked. So it's made that a lot easier and obviously 
I have a lot of friends down there as well, so the move was relatively smooth for me. Where did you set up shop down there? Um, so I live in I live in Jupiter, which okay. I think every other golfer lives in. So the only problem is when you go for nights out yeah. and you, you know you just want your own privacy and there's people yeah. there and seeing how much trouble you're getting into. So, but yeah, I practice at Bear Lakes, okay. um, which has two great golf courses. One's kind of linksy, which is which is great for like British Open prep and things like that. So, yeah, very very happy down there. Kind of just just about settled in properly now. So um, had a, got my trainer down there, Ken McDonald, who's kind of changed a lot with me which he's he's been fantastic he's he's been a huge influence on me down there so yeah it's been good it's been definitely a very positive move what was your introduction to the game of golf basically i did play football quite competitively and my parents basically wanted to not pay for kind of childcare during the summer holidays so they just kind of threw me to the golf course um, and luckily I got addicted so they used to drop me off at 7am and pick me up at like 9 10 o'clock at night so um, we, I was really fortunate like where I grew up there was like 90 juniors and 20 of them were like like my real good mates you know majority of them were boys as well and so we literally would just play like 45 holes a day just absolutely obsessed with it so for me it was it was a lot a lot of fun kind of getting into the game and I really enjoyed the social aspect of it which is kind of weird now because obviously most golfers I would say are quite introvert and you spend so much time on your own but for me it was the social aspect that really kind of attracted me to it those first few years what what was that transition like from discovering the game to you know kind of being obsessed with it and then obviously into a pro career how how quickly did you know it was something you could pursue as a career um I mean it's kind of weird I wanted to be a professional footballer um then I wanted to be a pro snowboarder and then it was about uh 14 15 where I got like started to win quite big events that I was oh actually I kind of want to do this for a living so I was going to go to college in the states at 17 18 years old but my mum kind of persuaded me not to because I was a bit wild as a child so I think let, let loose in this uh, country or I was going to USC so let loose in California at 17 I might not have made it so yeah I got a job for a couple of years and then turned pro at, at 20 years old which turned out to be a good decision we were talking a bit about your game and what it's like before the mics were turned on let's see what I can get you to repeat but uh, what, what is your game like and how does it stack up at a golf course like this um, I mean I, I w- would say I'm among the longer players I'm definitely not the longest but you know I have a really high ball flight for I hate saying it but for a girl so kind of all my strength is carry so on a golf course like this at Hazeltine it's um, I find that is one of my advantages is that I can kind of carry the bunkers that are all at like 245 so yeah that's definitely one of my strengths is kind of the height that I hit at I can stop six irons and stuff on quite firmish greens so hopefully I can just (laughs) pull my head out of my ass and <laughs> put in a couple of good results but a major chip championship setup sets well sets up well for you you would say yeah I mean it, with me it's always been my head you know it's not necessarily been my golfing ability so you know we've actually I know it sounds stupid because I've not had a great season but I found something I felt last weekend in Grand Rapids so I've actually practiced really well the last few days so I, I'm actually feeling pretty confident going into this so hopefully you know this is going to be a start of kind of a really strong stretch for me but again, you just, you know, with me, like I said, it's all in my head. So I just need to, you know, just control my own stuff that's going on there, really. And then we should be fine. You've talked, it sounds like length is one of the strengths of your game. I was curious, in your words, maybe another strength. And, and then also, what do you think is the weakness in your um, game? I struggle with confidence, which people, I feel like I'm quite confident outside of golf. Um, and then not as confident as I should be inside of golf, which is kind of odd. I feel like a lot of golfers are completely opposite so that's definitely my weakness like I'm quite a confidence player 
but then one of my strengths is if my back's against the wall, I always seem to perform well. So for me, it's just I overthink a lot of things. The more simple I keep it, then, then the easier it is for me. It was actually really funny. I played um, golf with... I hate name dropping, but play, I grew up with Rory and played golf with him at Bears Club not long ago, and he was basically talking about the same thing. And so I don't know why, like it's just kind of stuck with me a little bit. And I've been trying to do that the last few months, just to try to keep it really simple. Because I mean, you can just like, you can overthink this way too much, um, this game especially because it's just so, you know, it's just so technical at times. But that's kind of with me. Is if I keep it simple, I usually play pretty free. Well, compare and contrast the differences between playing a full ladies' European tour schedule and playing here on the LPGA tour in the States. Well, this is the thing. I mean, when I first came out in Europe, the schedule was awesome. It was a great place to start your career. Obviously, they've struggled a little bit with events now in Europe, which I feel really sorry for the girls for because it was such a great stepping stone to then come onto the LPGA, whereas now I feel it hasn't got that strength as what it used to be anymore and hopefully it will come back to what it was but the LPGA is so different in so many ways I mean you can be good in Europe but you have to be great to even compete out here the strength and depth of the LPGA is getting so strong and it's getting stronger every single year I feel like more and more girls are able to win out here whereas years ago I felt like there was a handful of girls that could win I just feel like the strength out here is just getting lower, like higher and higher and higher. So there's more and more girls that can compete. I mean, even making the cut, I know it sounds silly, but even making the cut, you've played well. You know, no cut's going to be over par. And so for me, you just have to, you know, you just you just cannot be off. You could just cannot have an off day out here, which is awesome. But when you're struggling, obviously it's, it's difficult. But I mean, it certainly makes you a better, a better player for sure. Going back, uh, was it 2007 Women's British Open at St. Andrews? You were yeah. the low amateur? Mm-hmm. How many times did you played St. Andrews prior to that week? Um, I played it quite a lot. We used to have a few amateur events down there. So I kind of knew the golf course pretty well. I feel like it's, I think St. Andrews is obviously a special place, but it's, um, I just feel like it kind of sets up well for me. I, I've always played well around there, even as an amateur. So, but yeah, it was, it was quite cool. Cause like my dad was on the go- like on the bag and stuff. And um, I think he enjoyed it more than I did. Like the celebrity <laughs> side of it more than I did. I think he was getting more attention than me. So um no, it was just a very special week. Like, my family were there, and it was just cool to kind of finish high up. And the, this is how cocky I was when I was that age. I actually was gutted I didn't win. That's, like, how <laughs> my mindset has now changed. So, but I genuinely thought I could win. I think I had, like, seven three-putts that week, and I was just absolutely gutted I didn't win. So, But that's, you know, that's what youth gives you, isn't it? It's just you kind of wish you could go back fearless. to that place. Yeah, I wish just... I had that fearless now, yeah. but I've got so many bloody cracks on me. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, when you're a kid, if you're not fearless, then you've just got no chance. So um, it was just cool. It was cool to play and have my family there. Eddie Pepperell called those gremlins. Little, everyone's got yeah. little gremlins on oh. their shoulder. And it, uh... The older they get, the more annoying they become as well. Um, well, first, I'm curious if, uh, if how long usually into an interview before somebody brings up the topic of you came out as gay mm-hmm. last year. I'm assuming nine minutes, but probably later than most that, that bring it up. But... Yeah, it's about 20 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two boys have done quite well. But uh, no, I was, I, I was especially curious about kind of what you said about it, the reasonings behind it and whatnot. And I'm just curious what life has been like since that decision my fan base has become different um for sure i mean listen i I feel like people have just completely took on the sexuality side of it which was not i didn't expect it to get the attention that it did but like i've said you know i feel like i can only speak on behalf of kind of the lpga girls but a lot of these girls give back in so many different ways which is incredible to like charities and their own organizations whereas for me because i've been in it and i've seen the dark side of of our community of the lgbtq community like i 
I see the struggles that a lot of people deal with and some of them have been my best friends you know so for me it was just important to kind of be brave enough to say like look I'm not you know people interpret so it can sometimes interpret as as, as certain people and um, it was just important for me to kind of give back in that way and just you know be proud of who I am and you know that was that was kind of the big thing for me was just to be brave enough to to be you know normal about I hate the word normal but just for other people to be educated in it and be like look there's nothing has the has it been a welcoming feeling yeah for sure I mean you know I got some really cool messages from the girls um you know which actually meant a lot to me I was kind of a little bit nervous about how some of the girls would react um, because obviously we do have gay girls out here but some of them are going to be very private about it which I 100% respect um, and 100% understand as well but I had a lot of a lot of girls I didn't expect reach out to me and give me support which I thought was really really cool to be honest yeah and overall obviously you're going to get the odd you know the odd comment here and there but overall I've had a really positive reaction from it so hopefully it's helped one or two people to you know, just be more comfortable in their own skin, basically. Was there anything that kind of triggered the timing of it or why you decided to do it? And has, um, was it freeing, I guess, in any way? Yeah, one of my best mates, uh, Molly Gallatin, we'd spoken about it for a while. I always say, like, you know, I'm, I, ordinary doesn't change the world. And I'm always, like, have these big things that I want to do and change. Like, that's, I want people to remember me and all this stuff. And so we discussed it for a while and then she introduced me to Athlete Ally which is obviously who I had partnership like partnership with who who did my story for me so as soon as I met them I kind of felt very comfortable with them and um, I obviously agree with with what they do so I trusted them with my story and it was about six months later that I actually finally had the guts to do it so and it was in the off season which I thought was perfect timing I didn't really want it to happen during the season when you say your fan base has changed, in what way has your fan base changed? Um, <laughs> I got just, I mean, I'm sure you can imagine. I just get a lot more women following me now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you played the, tw- the 2006 Curtis Cup at Bandon Dunes. Mm-hmm. Was it 2000? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I just wanted to hear about that. Well, maybe That's 2005. The, that sounds like such a cool place to play a team event. Oh, it was And then you sick. played in three Solheim Cups, too. Yeah. So I wanted to talk about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. Bannon Dunes was sick. Um, and I got to play with my like childhood best friend, Brianne. Um, she'll kill me if I don't mention her name. Brianne Laux. Um, <laughs> she played three. I think she played three Curtis Cups. She always likes to mention that as well. So like, we played together. Yeah, it was just awesome. Like, I'd never heard of Bannon Dunes before. And then we got there and we're like, this is awesome. Like, such a great guy. I haven't played it since. I'd love to go back to kind of Oregon and go back and play it. But, um, I mean, like I said, I kind of, I'm, I, I feel like I just love team events. Like, I've grown up in team events. So, for me, playing Curse Cups, Solheim Cups, to me, just really get me going. And I just love, like, the whole team atmosphere. Like, I love the changing room banter. Like, that, for me, is just what it's all about. I think that's why I kind of have quite a close-knit team around me because it's kind of important for me to feel like I'm part of a team. Um, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, there's nothing more, like, there's nothing more exciting to me than representing, you know, my country, my continent at a Solheim Cup. What's your favorite Solheim Cup memory? Um, I think, obviously, the one in Clean Castle, my first one was pretty special, just because of the way that we won it. And then... Um, for those that maybe aren't as familiar with the Solheim Cup, how did you guys win it and what was that like? Well, I think it was down to the last three matches. I think we were... I can't remember the exact situation, but there's no way we were going to win, basically, unless, like, Suzanne won the last three holes to Harvard. Atha had to win two out of the last three to Harvard or something. And and I think 
Cara Headwell had to like win the last three to win one up and we did all that like we won the last whatever holes we had um, to win it by one point I think in the end so just the party and everything afterwards like was just ridiculous so that's definitely one of my fondest memories and I think the one in Germany as well which was in 2015 yeah 2015 you were, you were 3 and 0 in that one too right? yeah I I was uh, yeah I yeah I didn't lose a match played four matches and won three and a half points which was special for me, obviously, because Germany is not an easiest place for me to go to. So I kind of felt it was the first time me and my family had been back to Germany since, obviously, since my mum. And so it was just special for me to play well. And it was a shame we didn't win. But for me, it was kind of a win, a win week for me. What was the party like then? Colleen, you, you brushed over that one pretty quickly. Uh, I don't know, that's it was a, pretty good. That's where we want the details. I just remember, like, me and, uh, me and uh, Laura, we call her Dame now, obviously, because she's a Dame now. But... Um, me and Laura, like, we were playing together and then whatever we were. And for some reason, me and Damo, like, ends up in, like, the volunteers tent and they couldn't find us anywhere. And we were just down in Guinnesses with all these volunteers. And, yeah, we just got, we we're just drinking Guinness out of the cup. And, yeah, it was, it was all, it was all a lot. Well, it, it sounds like you need to be on that team this year at Glen Eagles in Scotland. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm trying my hardest. I'm trying. I'm like, Beanie, hey, what's up? To the captain. I'm like, what are you doing? Let me get you a sandwich. That's things. Um, but, yeah, no, obviously, I'd love to be part of it. I know I haven't played great this season but you know I definitely um, you know hopefully I can play well at least in a, a couple of events coming up just to keep her a little bit interested in me <laughs> uh, switching topics a little bit where do you like to snowboard honestly I've like only snowboarded in Europe I, we went to Lake Louise when I was a kid but okay. it was absolutely it was like minus 40 degrees so it wasn't like the most pleasant trip of my life but we go to the same place in Austria a place near Kitzbühel we go pretty much every Christmas or New Year we've been going since before I was born so we basically feel like we own the resort um, and we kind of act like it as well. We've just, <laughs> uh, they get a new Mercedes every year when we go because we just spend so much money in the bar. So <laughs> we're a bit of a drinking family. But um, yeah, we know we have a lot of fun. Like the family goes and we've got friends that go there now. So, but yeah, I've obviously snowboard in France, Switzerland. But I'm definitely, I want to do a trip in the US for sure this year. What's, what's tops on your list for the US? I mean, obviously Aspen, Whistler. I mean, I don't know. I've got, I've got a few people telling me about Colorado. Go to Telluride. Really? Telluride's really cool. Is it? Yeah. There's no lift lines. It's really like four thousand foot vertical. It's okay, awesome. sweet. Because one of the some of the boys go after like uh, A and A. They go to is it Big Bear? They go there straight after A and A. So we'll see. I'm definitely I'm going to bring one of my snowboards back over after Christmas. So we'll see. I'm trying to plan something next January. Sorry, I kind of hijacked it. There. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, switching back to golf a little bit. You know, you talk about some of the places you want to snowboard, but what are there any golf courses in particular that you know you are on your bucket list that you really want to see or, or uh, that are out there that you haven't been to? Um, I think definitely Pebble Beach. You know, we've got our US Open there in a few. I can't remember the exact date. Twenty twenty four, twenty twenty two, maybe. Um, so I'm absolutely stoked to be able to go there, but. Pebble Beach, I think, is is a big one for us. We just, I know it sounds silly, but it's the LPJ. This is why, like, KPMG is such a great event for us, and because and the PJ of America because they put us on great golf courses that yeah. the guys play, and like that's what we want. We want to play the golf courses that guys play. You know, we want to play the Pebble Beaches. We want to play the Wingsfoot. You know, we want to play these huge golf courses, and you know, KPMG and the PJ of America give us that opportunity. So um, that's why this is like honestly one of the one of the girls' favorite golf courses, so, uh, like golf events. Sorry, purely because of the great course that we play but yeah we want to play all the big courses like the guys do that for us is it's, it's so important for us it's it's clear how much people have perked up this mm-hmm. week like yeah. people talking about the course and just I think just good infrastructure all yeah. around that yeah. makes it feel like a, that much bigger of an yeah. event and all that yeah and, you know the PJ America do a great job yeah. here with KPMG so it's, it's, it's a great event do you have the uh 
the Women's British Open and the, the Scottish Open circled on your calendar this year? Kind of American-style courses, but over in... Yeah, it's a funny one, really, Woburn, as a British Open golf course. It's not something... Like, a bunch of the American girls... Like, I was playing with Brittany Lang last week, and she's like, dude, that's not a British Open golf course. Okay. So... You know, Woburn's a great golf course in its own right, obviously, but as a British Open, you kind of want links, you want rain, you want wind. But, you know, they played it there a few, a couple, three years ago, you know, so it is a great golf course. It's a great venue. Um, you get a bunch of people there because of the location, which is great for spectator, like for us and having spectators there. But for me, a British Open should be a Lynx golf course. Um, Do you struggle in the wind, though? With such a high ball flight? Well, I didn't used to. I kind of, actually this year, I've kind of thought about changing ball in the wind just because I get so much spin on it. But or maybe I just need to swing it a little bit better. But um, yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like, you just adapt for one week and, you know, you just put it back in your stance and just, you know, hit it lower. But yeah, like, even the Renaissance for the Scottish Open isn't really linksy. Right. So, you know, are you really going to need it this year? Probably not. What are the golf courses? So you're from Derby? Derby, yeah. What, what are the golf courses like in that area? Um, though we've actually got a great selection of golf courses all within, not far away. My golf course, it drives people not, The first 11 holes are uphill. First so you go 11? To, yeah, you literally go all the way up. People legit like have heart attacks there all the time <laughs> it's like really depressing but anyway it's an awesome golf course like right in the country yeah first 11 holes go a bit uphill and you can literally just see like the whole of derby it's pretty sick and then you obviously make your way back down but yeah they can't have buggies like, i think they've just introduced buggies now but they didn't used to be able to because it's so like there's so many slopes on it and stuff but it was cool growing up because it was so much fun but yeah, people people don't enjoy walking around. And as it. far as geographically, is that it's like southeast of Birmingham and yeah, we literally could not get more middle of England. Okay. We're like as far away from the coastline as you can get, um, which isn't even that that far. But yeah, we're just like kind of a bit northeast of Birmingham. So luckily, I don't bring that accent with me. What are your favourite courses in England? Birkdale's certainly up there. The courses around like Liverpool, Blackpool area are pretty pretty sick. Um, Southport and Ainsdale, Hillside. Yeah, I mean, like Lytham isn't my favourite golf course at all on the planet, but it's a great golf course. Um, but yeah, if you live in like that Liverpool, you know, like West Manchester, you've got you've got some awesome golf courses around there. West Lanks is up there. Yeah, West Lanks is up there. Yeah. Formby. I mean, yeah, you you've literally got you just... literally got like seven or eight golf courses that yeah. are all world class just around the corner from you. So when you're talking about the Solheim Cup. Uh, you mentioned Germany and the emotions that brought back. I, I think, you know, I, in doing research for this interview, I, I'm familiar with the story, but I'm, I'm sure some listeners are not. Can you talk about why that was so emotional for you? Yeah, it was seven, yeah, seven years ago this past May. Um, my parents, as normal, they would kind of come out and watch me at quite a lot of events. And uh, I was playing a tournament in Germany and... I think it was after the Tuesday um, players party my parents were driving back and unfortunately it was in a car accident my mum didn't make it so I obviously as a family we obviously really struggled going back to Germany but yeah so that's why that Solheim was so special for me because my whole family came out and there's a lot of us so um, yeah it was just it was just nice to kind of just play well and not let it beat me if that that's it was kind of like a competition thing for me like I didn't want it to beat me so for me it was it was just a kind of special moment and having my family that was pretty cool and you'd said in interviews you know the obviously the the aftermath I I, I can't imagine but but you said you know you, you kind of got into a bit of a funk and in a dark place I was just curious 
if you could discuss that and then yeah the, I mean the work you did to, to kind of get out of that and, and get to a better place both yeah in, in life mean, and golf people have obviously exaggerated stuff like I wasn't it was just I mean I lost my mom at 23 years old like it was just difficult and you know I wanted to look at I moved back in with my dad like I lost like I, I don't know I just felt like I wanted to look after my family even though I'm the youngest of seven kids by like 11 years um, so but I still felt like I needed to look after my family it was kind of I'm kind of quite protective of like that and especially my dad because my dad's like he's he's an awesome awesome guy like absolute living legend but he's an older guy like they had me quite late so I just wanted to like look after him a little bit and I I don't know I just golf wasn't a priority anymore and you know I just I don't think that me dealing with stuff sometimes like I, I go and enjoy myself you know and I probably just golf just took a back seat and people just the problem is when you're an athlete and you're in this kind of arena all the time people are very they have an opinion on everything and you can't hide from anything because if you're not playing well people are criticizing you and so it just was a bit of a snowball effect really and then probably two years after my mum passed away like my Brianne who I mentioned earlier one of my best mate from home she kind of rang me up and was like look you need to sort yourself out like I'm not letting you just destroy yourself like this is not you got to stop feeling guilty or whatever whatever you need like I'm there for you and I literally just took a hard look in the mirror one day and I just stopped and just that was it I just completely changed literally within which is crazy literally within that phone call hmm. so I have a lot to owe to her really yeah. after the Solheim did you feel like you had some sort of not closure but some sort of like you could you felt like you really had some momentum to move, move yeah forward? for sure um I mean absolutely like it was yeah it's kind of funny you say that it was kind of it was the pink elephant in the room like because I never went back to Germany um and the Solheim was in Germany and I really wanted to get in Solheim yeah I didn't want to go to Germany so it was a big kind of mental achievement for me because psychologically that was all it was I just needed to get over that and I think that that then helped me to get my card in the states honestly like it gave me such a huge confidence booster after that um, and then I ended up playing quite well for like a couple of years. So, yeah, I mean, you look back at, you know, when you, on certain things in your life, like you look back at things like that and you think, oh, actually, I'm not, I am quite strong. And, you know, I did that. Like you can sometimes always try and improve. And I think that's what athletes just naturally do. And sometimes you need to take a step back and be like, oh, actually, I did this really well. And just like reflect on actually the good stuff. Because we just constantly think of the things that we can get better at. And oh, I, I should have, I should have birdied three in a row. And, I didn't and blah 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 oh you still shot 60 I know but I could have shot 66 do you know what I mean and that's what we just naturally do as golfers so something like that I think is important to go back reflect on and pat yourself on the back basically you, you talked a bit about how your season wasn't going as well as you maybe had hoped what what goes wrong for you when you're struggling and kind of what do you do to kind of get things back on track or what are you working on um well I changed my coach a year ago to Jorge Parada and we've obviously changed a lot. I've moved country. I've moved. Tra- I've changed trainer, changed manager, changed caddy. Like I changed a lot this off season. Absolutely busted my ass this off season, quite honestly. And so I probably put a bit too much pressure on myself at the start of the year because I expected so much from myself. I kind of feel like I've always said this. I feel like when things are going to settle down, you will like catch up with yourself, and then you'll go, you know, in a really good forward direction very quickly. I feel like I'm just still catching up a little bit, but I'm a lot further up than I thought I would be at this point so I mean what goes wrong honestly it's just my head I just probably expect a lot for myself and you know I sometimes think of things that I can't control and it's just about that sounds stupid but it is about just keeping it simple and just focusing on what you're trying to do not trying to what you're not trying to do and 
Um, like I said, I felt like I kind of got something out of that um, last weekend. So we'll see. Hopefully, I'm feeling pretty good, which is quite unusual. So, <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, who are some of your best friends out here on the LPGA tour? People, people you are, uh, you run around with? Um, I'm quite fortunate. I kind of hang out with the legends of the game. So I hang out with Damo quite a lot. Laura, I just I hang out. With Webby lives 20 minutes away from me at, at home. It's kind of like I don't know really. I just I get on with every. Body, to be completely honest with you but I'm very select about people that I let in my circle if that makes sense um, but yeah I'm actually pretty good friends with the officials as well yeah I'm very quite select who I actually let in like I hang out with Jay quite a bit Jay Marie Green she's ridiculous we had her on this she morning, is so. ridiculous <laughs> she's on a different planet literally um, what's a good Jay Marie Green story then oh the, we've just got this bar near us called Jumby Bay and it's free drinks on a Thursday I should not be going I'm about 10 years too old to be going in there and I just I feel don't like I've know. seen JT and a couple other guys post oh yeah and I just yeah. get dragged in there by Jay she did, I literally live two minutes away so she's like dude I'm in Jumby and I'm like dude let's go <laughs> like what am I doing um, so yeah she there's a few girls out here that definitely lead me astray but um I think I do a pretty good job of doing that as well with the people so we're all bad influences on each other what's your favorite uh favorite tournament or favorite stretch of this season um it's pretty much now like I love playing in Michigan uh everybody's really really friendly there um obviously KPMG is one of my favorite events British Open Scottish Open so we're like coming into a nice stretch I like Toledo you know start of the season you're on the west coast um, so for me, it's like the traveling is quite a lot. Like you go to Australia, come home, then you're in Hawaii, come home, then you're in the West Coast, come home. Like, so it's kind of a lot of back and forth. Um, but I definitely much prefer to play kind of, yeah, kind of like these go- kind of golf courses like Michigan. I really enjoyed, really enjoy here. And then obviously going home is quite nice. So I kind of like the middle of the season. But you also won in Australia a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I do love playing in Australia. Yeah. I, I didn't play great this year, but I do absolutely love playing in Australia. The golf courses out there are so good. It's proper golf. Oh, they're yeah. so good. Um, like just linksy, just so pristine. Like they're just, just ridiculously good golf courses. Like Melbourne and all that Sandbelt area is just a joke. So, yeah, I just I, I really enjoy playing in Australia, but it's just apps. It's miles away from America. It's like closer from England, I swear. Like it's so much easier traveling from England. It's like two flights here. It was just ridiculous, but no, it's good. It's good fun. I always enjoy asking, what's the, uh, what's the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened to you on a golf course? Um, (laughs) I don't know. There's been, no, there's been quite a few. I've definitely, I, I'm a bit of a, um, well, the only thing I've got going for me is that I'm athletic. Like I'm not the most intelligent and so that's the only thing I'm going for me. So I try and like jump the rope constantly. (laughs) And there's been times where it's kind of hard to see it. And I'm like, well, I'm fully committed now. And I've definitely like stacked it like (laughs) flat like straight on my ass um a couple times so that's been awesome um yeah my fly's been down numerous times just i'm just i feel like i don't get embarrassed that easily people are like oh dude you've got like this on your top and i'm like oh whatever so as long as you don't react to it you don't get embarrassed but oh the jumping the rope i do quite regularly it's quite fun for me <laughs> what I can only imagine seeing you fall. Oh, well, I'm already yeah, committed. I'm committed. And I'm like, do I stop and look like an idiot? Like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just jump. And then I've completely misjudged it. <laughs> have you started surfing um, I can, in Florida? I have a little bit. I've done a little bit in Australia, actually. So I picked it relatively quick. I'm not great by any stretch of the imagination. But, um, yeah, I mean, the waves are not 
absolutely pumping in Florida, but um, we call it the East Coast slop. Yeah, I can see that. But it's it's nice to kind of like get in the ocean, and not have to wear wetsuits because in England the sea's brown, so it's not very encouraging to go down there. But yeah, I'm definitely going to get more into it this off season. I was actually talking to Jay about that. So I think she's got a paddleboard as well. well so. th- that's what we forgot to ask her because Randy's a big stand-up paddleboarder. Yeah. Oh, she loves mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Does she? She's, oh, loves it. Always is talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. What? What's your favorite <laughs> football club? Well, I'm from Derby, so it's Derby County. Yeah. Um, nobody's heard of them over here, obviously, uh, but we're say, pretty are awesome. They, are they like right <laughs> no. below? Yeah, we're right below the Premier League. Okay. Um, but yeah, apart from being the best football team in the world, we're just we wear black and white, and we're one of the oldest football clubs. Okay. So like near me is Notts County, um, which is like like Notts Forest is like our rival. So they're like sister team. It's Notts County, um, and they when they first ever played a this is actually just a fun football fact that I tell everyone when they first ever played their first foreign game against Juventus, Juventus didn't have a kit, and so they lent them their kit. And Notts County playing black and white stripes, and that's why Juventus playing black and white stripes. Whoa! There you go. Football trivia. Kit. We need kit. <laughs> kit needs to make the make its way into golf. That is a much better way to refer to an outfit or uniform. So Tron, Tron's quite taken with some of the kits that, that the women wear. Uh, I think it's much Japanese more much more interesting. Japanese than the high socks yeah. and the oh, are you talking about on the golf course? Yeah. The oh yeah, there was a girl last week. I won't mention who it is. Um, full on yellow um, waterproof suit. Which I thought was pretty, <laughs> it's pretty incredible. There was an there was an orange jumper earlier with. Uh, I mean, I, I'm blown away by some of it because Curtis Luck gives me some of his Callaway Japan stuff, so I'll wear that. But then I see it out here, and I'm like, I would, I would legitimately wear that. <laughs> that looks like part of that collection. You'd wear a yellow waterproof suit. What's that? Oh, you should see what he'll, he'll, he'll oh, wear. Really? Anything. Okay. Is yeah. that an improvement? Yeah, that's okay, cool. that's nothing. That wouldn't be. That wouldn't even make it. To it's the, kind uh, of a bit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mel. We got to let you go, but thank you so much for coming in. Best of luck this week, thank and you very uh, much. let's do it again sometime. Cheers, boys. Thank Cheers. you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. Yeah. Ronnie, that's. Better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! 